Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Scripture says God's word is good for correction, rebuke, encouragement. Why? Well, because it's God's word. It covers everything. Scriptures, remember, Scripture explains Scripture. Hebrews says that God's word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word divides and shows us this is what this is, this is what that is, this is right, this is wrong. You've got to have the word in your life. I was telling someone today, I said, man, a lot of people say, man, I believe the whole Bible. Well, if you're going to say that, you need to read the whole Bible. All right? You need to get into the Word and get through it so you get the full context of the full counsel of God's Word. Someone say full counsel. Full counsel is simply, it simply means all of it. So you can get a proper perspective. All right? That is God's Word. You got to do that. You got to do that. So here we are in Romans chapter 5, verse 2. And this is good news right here. Because of our faith, what is your faith? Believing God, taking Him at His Word. Because of our faith, our belief in Him and His Word, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. We didn't deserve it, but man, Scripture says Christ loved us while we were yet sinners. He drew us to Himself. We're in this place of undeserved privilege. Man, that means you have rights and benefits as a son and daughter of God. We now stand there and we confidently and joyfully look what? Forward to sharing God's glory. Man, Scripture says, I mentioned this last week, I believe, He has crowned us with glory and honor. You get, to share his, you get to share some of His glory. Now, ultimately, all the glory goes to God, but part of that is God's going to favor you. What is favor? Anybody know what favor is? It's God giving you special benefits. It's that simply put. You guys get in a house, man, that, how long did it take for you guys to close on that house? Wow, three weeks. To me, that is, I don't know about y'all. Y'all have bought houses up in here, and three weeks is fast. Because you guys know how it is. Oh, we got to do this, and we got to do that in the bank. I know, but then, oh, I, I, don't, I don't see a problem with us closing next week and closing next week, and it just keeps going. Three weeks is the favor of God. That is God going, here's a benefit for you just because you're mine. And I see that as sharing God's glory. But also when you go to heaven, can you imagine? Standing up in heaven one day, shining, walking streets of gold, that's sharing God's glory. Scripture says that in heaven one day, that you won't need any light because all the light comes from God Himself. Wow, that is powerful. Can you imagine a place where there's no shadow? I can't imagine that. God's light is shining from every direction. He's omnipresent. He's all-knowing, and He's just bathing everything in light. Powerful. Well, look at this. Someone say, this is good news, too. Yeah, this is good news, too. Now, i, I got to tell you that because we're about to use the T word, and that's trials. We're about to use the P word, which is problems. So this is good news, too. Let's get it in its full context. Let's, let's hang out here for a minute. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems, and trials. Have you ever been through one of those? Oh, yes. I don't have to be a prophet to know that some of you are going through some problems and trials right now. There's some things that aren't just right, or things that you think are not just right. You say, this isn't how I planned it. This isn't how I imagined it. 
I wish we didn't have to do this. I know. But you can rejoice too. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Do we have any runners in here? Does anybody go for jogs? I appreciate that. As a police officer, I'm glad you go for jogs because that's, that's good. That's good. And I'm sure not all police officers do. I know that. I mean, you're pretty well taken care of, but I know some guys don't. Let's just be real, just like anybody. Some coaches don't go for jogs, right, Mel? They just <laughs> some coaches don't work out. Some do. Okay. Do you run? Okay. You're pretty, you're pretty active, though. I knew that about you. You're pretty active. I'm going to tell you right now, let, let, let me just be real. Even growing up, I was a sprinter. That means it's over fast. Man, let me get my speed on. Got second place, got third, or got first, oh, but it's over. Man, even as a kid, I hated it in PE when we said, okay, we're going to run the whatever it was, the half mile or the mile. Say, oh, my gosh, you're going to run stairs. Say, yeah, I can build endurance, but I just never liked it. We, I guess we talked about that too recently. Said, I just didn't want to run. Now put a ball out in front of me like a dog. I'll chase the ball around the basketball court for a while until I'm totally tired, but it always gave me energy to say, we're competing. Oh, we're competing? Oh, okay. I'm supposed to get more points than you. I'm going to bring it, even if you beat me, and I'll shake your hand, but that's great. I can have some endurance there, but running? Oh, man. Endur you need endurance for running, don't you? Not to mention, you need the right shoes. Did you know that? Did you know that'll preach right there? Scripture says when we have on the full armor of God, we have feet that are what? The gospel of peace, and we have, that, which is powerful, it means wherever you go, you share the word, you're a living example. You have a belt of truth. You've got to always wear the belt of truth as you run, right? As you walk. You've got to be, you've got to be properly outfitted to have good endurance, and only God can help you have good endurance. On your own, you can't do much. But Scripture says... We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He's strengthened you to do the right thing. He's empowered you to be able to do the right thing. You say, man, I cannot love that person. Well, God loved you. God forgave you. So yes, with God's help, you actually can love them. And y'all don't raise your hands, but everybody in this house has someone in their life that's hard to love. Really? You say, oh, and I see the look on some of your faces like, yeah, Pastor Matt. You know, I don't have to be prophetic and say, thus saith the Lord. Everybody has, <laughs> look, at some of you are smiling. Let's be real. Come on, you can smile. Show them pretty teeth. Come on. Beautiful people of God. It's true. We all have someone in our life. All of us, without fail, we have someone in our life. You say, man, I've had it up to here with them. But you got to love them, man. You don't even have to like them. That, meaning you don't even have to hang out with them all the time, but you got to love people and forgive them. You do. You say, man, I'm not going to let them, man, take advantage of me and run rough shot over me and mess me up again. Well, you don't have to. You have your boundaries, but you've got to love them. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's part of endurance is walking in love. You say, wait, again? i got to forgive them again? Mm -hmm. Remember Peter in his discussion with Jesus? What a righteous question, right, sis? Lord, how many times should we forgive our brother? Seven times? That sounds righteous, huh? Seven is the number of God. Shall we forgive our brother and our sister seven times? Jesus said, not seven, but 70 times seven. 
Some translators and theologians have said, yeah, you've got to forgive 70 times 7, which is how much? 490 times a day. Oh, my gosh. Say, man, it'd be easier, and I wouldn't have to forgive you so much. I'd have more endurance with you if I didn't spend any time with you. <laughs> okay, it's understandable. You don't have to spend time with everybody all the time. You've got to pick your circle and those you want to be around. Praise God. But here's the powerful thing. Endurance in whatever situation in life, as a believer, call it patience, call it perseverance, means you can handle it. You can handle it. You can take the pressure. One man of God years ago, he says, man, I'm better when I give in and say, God, I'm going to let you put me through some pressure. I'm better under pressure. This may sound like a cliche or very trite, but you ever heard the saying that pressure creates diamonds? Turns a piece of coal or <clears throat> some, some little thing that's not very desirable, but pressure creates a diamond which can withstand all kinds of stuff. It's beautiful, it's strong, it's desirable. That'll preach. We've got to give in to what God has planned for us. And when you give in to God's will, he says, okay, now the tests begin. Now the tests begin. I've preached series on testing and testing and trials. So remember we mentioned this on Sunday, I believe. Character is worked on in the trial. So you get to show character while you're going through stuff, and you get to show character and demonstrate it, display it, portray it after the trial. Many times we have a mix of both. We say, man, I failed in the trial, but I'm doing better now that I'm out of the trial, and God worked on me. I saw where I messed up. But God's goal for you is to have grace and patience and long-suffering and wisdom and love in the trial and afterward. But the trial works on your character, doesn't it? but it builds endurance. Let's go back to the previous verse again. You can rejoice when you run into problems and trials. Why? Because you know, we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance what? Endurance develops strength of character. Wow. Man, I hope that doesn't mean I have to start running a mile every day. Right? But in life, it's, it's not a sprint. It's not just a mile. It's a marathon. It is. When you're dealing with people, when you're going through stuff, when you're reading the Word, it's, it's a marathon. It requires endurance. And the more endurance you have, look at that, it develops strength of character. Talk to me about strength of character. What are some attributes, strength of character? Some stuff we've talked about, being Christ-like. Anyone, simple things that you say, okay, this is like Jesus. That's the hint. That's strength of character, being Christ-like. Patience. Being humble. Walking in love. Oh, walking in truth, man, that, boom, that's a home run. Endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. The more godly character you have, you say, man, I know I'm saved. I know what God's Word says. The more character you have from God, the more faith you have in His Word to say, oh, man, look, he, look, look He's transformed me. He's changed me. I am not the same. Aren't you glad you're not the same? Endurance, let me read it again. Endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. What's the next say? And this hope will not lead to disappointment. I talked to someone before service about hope, and some, let's just be real. Some things in our nation look pretty hopeless, don't they? 
I thank God for Jesus, man. I don't know what's going to happen to America as a country because you look in prophecy and it's hard. I don't see it in there. I'm not a great theologian or biblical scholar, but I've read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation many times and I don't see America in there. I just see promises for individuals and families, those that put God first. And then there's promises for those who reject God, right? The judgment. But I know this is you will always have hope and it will not lead to disappointment. Scripture says that hope deferred, you know, have you guys ever been waiting for something and it didn't happen? Hope deferred, it makes your, makes you heart, uh, makes your heart sick, basically, is what one translation says. You ever had a bad disappointment? You're like, oh, man. Oh, my gosh. I'll never forget when my mom passed away. There were a lot of feelings there. A mix of emotions. The whole gamut of emotions. There was... Oh, man, I'm relieved she's not suffering anymore. She's in heaven. She's healed now. Oh, but then I'm going to miss her. And, oh, man, everything just felt, oh, it just felt so heavy. I'll never forget a man of God from Dominican Republic spoke to him on the phone that day. And I thought, what a wise thing. He says, you know what? I'm sorry about your mom. I'll never forget what the pastor from Dominican Republic told me. He said, I'm sorry about your mom, but... Hey, we'll see you. This was in 2018. He said, we'll see you in September when you come to minister the word to us. I thought, man, this guy's wise. Look at him giving me hope, giving me something. Because I'd already given him my word. We'd already been talking to him. We were going to do a marriage conference, me and my wife in Dominican Republic. And he says, man, I know you're hurting right now, but I can't wait for you guys to come bring the word. And for someone like me, that was the right thing to say. It didn't fix everything in the moment, but I said, man, I love traveling. I love traveling to speak the word. I love speaking the truth. I love going to other places, other countries. There's hope in that. I want you to get your hopes up tonight. Because Scripture says, the hope that God gives you, the confident hope of your salvation, it will not lead to disappointment. You ever had a wicked disappointment? Say, man, maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it was, man, that's not what I was planning on. Maybe it, oh, I can't believe we're here now. This, is, this was not my dream and hope. This is terrible, this situation. God's hope, the hope that he gives you, confident in your salvation, it will not lead to disappointment. Someone say, this hope will not lead to disappointment. Look at this. For we know how dearly God loves us. Doesn't that give you hope? We know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Wow, we know how much He loves us because He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Oh man, that's good news. I am glad I've not been left to my own devices because I would be just, let's just be real. In in our carnal nature, we're just evil without God. All of our weaknesses show up. It's no fun. And here's something else the scripture says about that. It's not fun. It says, make, be sure your sin will find you out. Sin tells on you. Here's how the devil is. And we can't blame the devil for anything, but this is how the devil operates. The devil talks you into something, and you have to give in, right, by your own carnal nature, your own weaknesses. The devil talks you into something, and then he tells on you. Come on, nobody will know. That's key for somebody's going to find out. I've been there. Hey, nobody will know. I, I knew as a young man to run from that. Before I got married years ago, I got told that a few times by a few people of the opposite sex. 
hey, Matt, nobody will ever know. I'm like, mm-hmm. Number one, God will know. Number two, I'll know. And number three, pretty soon somebody else is going to know. I better run. I better flee youth, youthful lust. I better run. Joseph in, in the Old Testament was so brilliant. So brilliant in his simple fear of God. And God was building his character, right? Remember Joseph? He told his brothers all his dreams. Can you imagine me, me showing up to my family and going, hey, God told me y'all are all going to bow down to me one day. That just seems ill-advised. Oh, and by the way, I saw the sun and the moon and all these stars bowing down to me too, and he told people about that. You can't tell everybody your dreams, even if they're from God, because the dream thieves will put you in a hole and sell you off. But God was working on Joseph's character, and he passed test after test after test and trial after trial that was building in him strength of character, right? Just like these verses we just read. And at one point, I'm sure she was not ugly, but she was Potiphar's wife. And she said, come on and be with me. She'd been chasing him down. You watch the movie, and it, it's interesting because it was an old TNT movie, but they did some, some Bible movies. And it was interesting because I'm sure he was tempted to a point, but he said, look, the only thing my master has withheld from me is you because you're his wife. And he, I love this because he didn't get, to get into some tragic, romantic moment and go, you know what, I don't want to hurt you. He said, how can I sin against God? Boom. Forget about everything else. How can I sin against God? God was working on his character. Let's go back to the previous screen real quick. If you don't mind. We know how, how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love and also give us the ability to hold off temptation. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, you can walk in love and if you're really walking in love, look at the revelation of God. Man, I, f I feel this quickened in my heart right now. If you're walking in love, you can resist temptation, huh? I'm not going to desire something you have that's in the Ten Commandments, right? If I'm walking in love. I'm not going to treat you with disdain or contempt or scorn if I'm walking in love. If I'm walking in love, Scripture says perfect love casts out fear. Wow! Love seems to be the answer here. If you allow God to operate fully in His love through you, man, He can get some blessings to you. He can work on your character. And you can defeat the lie of Satan that says, no one has to know. Uh-huh. I'll know. God will know. Eventually others will know. You've got to walk in love. And if you're truly walking in love, you're not going to do secret little things that would hurt you or hurt someone else. You're just not going to. And hey, that's, that's for all of us. For attitudes and actions and things we say and do when nobody's looking. Or one, of my, one of my favorite things, and I can speak with authority, I'm Hispanic. I'm classified as a white Hispanic by the government. Go figure. But on my dad's side of the family, very Hispanic, very Hispanic, clannish, man, you name it. You say, man, I know all about that because I'm Latin or whatever. Okay. But here's one thing I've heard Latin say over the years. And it's funnier in Spanish. And that is, oh, you know, when they're mad or they're threatening someone, Hispanics like to say this. And I've heard it. I've heard it on my dad's side of the family. They say, oh, you're really going to get to know who I am now. You don't know who you're messing with. 
Después me vas a conocer. Oh, you're, after this, you're going to really know me. Love doesn't make threats. Refresh your memory with the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The Holy Spirit's filling with you with love. You need to give into it, and you need to learn to go, you know what? I'm, I have hope for the future because I can walk in love right now. And because I walk in love right now and I have hope for the future, I'm going to tell you, you will have way less regrets if you walk in love. In fact, if you're walking in love all the time, you won't have any regrets. I know that's almost humanly impossible to not have regrets. If we're honest with each other, we, I always love when, when actors and actresses go, I have no regrets. They've been married 17 times. I have no regrets. Liar, it's because you're on dope right now. You're on some good, expensive stuff that's not good, just expensive and bad for you. And it's rerouting the neural in impulses of your, in your mind. Uh, no. Every human looks back and goes, man, I could have done that better, but there's no condemnation now because you have his love in you. And can I say this to someone? If you're full of God's love, you're going to learn to love yourself. A lot of our problems start because we don't have any self-love. It doesn't mean being selfish and everything's about me. No, it means I, I need to learn to love who I am because God created me. Hold on to that. Let's go on to the next verse. His love. Oh, this is beautiful. When we were utterly helpless. Helpless and hopeless, okay? When we were utterly helpless, you could not save yourself. You couldn't do it. You can't get yourself into heaven. Scripture says all of our righteousness, what we think is right standing with God, what we think is being right with God, it's filthy rags, Scripture says. The best of the best of the best of our intentions is filthy rags. It took Jesus dying on the cross for us. When we were utterly helpless, you could not save yourself. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, I need someone to know this. You are no longer a sinner. I know what AA means and, and NA means, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, and I'm a big fan of 12-step programs that really work and put God first to help people get off addiction. I'm a big fan. But one thing I don't like about 12-step programs is people continue to confess and say, I am, a, I am an alcoholic. I know what they mean because at one time they were an alcoholic. They mean I can't have a sip because I'll need more, I'll need a six-pack, I'll need a 12-pack, I'll need a case, I'll need a keg, whatever. I get that. But this Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. When he died for you and you accepted the sacrifice of Jesus, you are no longer a sinner. Somebody needs to hear this out there. If you'll get past this, I think you can really get a revelation of God's goodness, his grace, his empowerment to live right. You are no longer a sinner, so you don't have to be an alcoholic anymore. You don't have to be an addict anymore. I understand the concept of if I'll say that, then I, people can understand me and they can relate to me and go, no, 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 no alcohol for me because I'm an alcoholic. No, you're no longer an alcoholic. You're not a sinner anymore. Now you are a saint, men and women of God. You are a saint. That, one of the most carnal ch churches in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes to them, he says, to the saints in Corinth. Man, that church was carnal. They were doing some weird stuff. They were speaking in tongues, but man, they were, they were just learning about the Lord, so they were carnal. They were doing carnal things. They were giving in to carnal lust. But the Apostle Paul, I love it, by God's grace, he said, to the saints. To the saints of God. You know what a saint is? Not someone who's out. 
let's just be real. There's, there's some denomination, some religion said saints are these, saints are, saints are this. A saint of God is someone who is no longer a sinner. That's me and you. Period. Someone say period. That's it. You're right with God, so you are a saint. You are no longer a sinner. Can you imagine? And I've heard believers say this. Oh, yeah, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I know what they mean, but I'm no longer a sinner. Why? Because I don't practice sin. When I make mistakes, I feel convicted. That doesn't sound like a sinner to you, does it? And I need you to get that into your spirit tonight. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners, but you're no longer a sinner. You were a sinner Christ loved us. He died for us while we were sinners, but you're not staying there. Someone say forward motion. Uh-huh. We move on. We keep moving on. We keep moving on. We keep stepping in the race. We keep stepping. Scripture says the day of the righteous, or the lives and days of the righteous, are, it's, the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter under the perfect day. Your, day, your days, your months, your years your life it's brighter and brighter under the perfect day until we go to heaven now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person huh how many of you would go no you know what i'm gonna if i had to man i'm gonna just i'd die for a good person no you'd really you'd really have second thoughts about that wouldn't you say oh i don't know i got my life to live i got my kids and i got my i got my stuff how about this? How many of you would, would give up one of your children and say, you know what, I'm going to sacrifice my child so that that good person can live? Honey, child, you would not be, uh-uh. Like, that's my baby. I'm not giving them up. But this is powerful. Most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Man, you'd still have to be a pretty amazing human. You say, man, I'm going to die for them. They're especially good. I'm going to die for them. But look at this. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That is the divine exchange. Let's, let's hesitate on that verse for a minute. Verse 8. God in his perfection came down in the form of Jesus and died for us while we were yet sinners. Man, none of you in this house would let your kid die and be sacrificed on a cross for sinners there's no way those babies are important I'm like man y'all better find your own salvation it ain't coming through my child but god showed his great love for for us by sending christ to die for us while we were still sinners that still blows me away he covered every sin ever committed by that sacrifice on the cross, shedding his perfect blood. Years ago, an author said it was the blood of heaven. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, the blood of heaven, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation or judgment. Let's stay there for a moment. Since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Scripture explains Scripture. Another verse says in the New Testament, we have not been reserved for wrath. God did not save me so he can put me under his judgment. Now I have to live according to his word. But let's read this verse again. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly, someone say certainly, definitely, for sure he's going to save us from God's condemnation or his judgment. Why? Because we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ. All you have to do is believe. Let's go on to the next verse. 
For since our friendship with God was restored, that means Jesus gave us friendship with God again. He gave it back to us because we lost it in the Garden of Eden, remember? Adam and Eve messed us all up. We would have done it. Remember, don't be too hard on them. Forgive Adam and Eve. You don't need to give them a piece of your mind when you get to heaven. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, wow, we were enemies of God. We were contrary to God. All we lived for was sin before Christ. Our, i got to read that again. Our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son. While we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His what? Of His Son. Someone say, I'm saved. Someone say this, say, I'm going to live like it. What is saved living? Can you give me some examples tonight? We have some exceedingly bright people in here. People who love God and His Word. If Let's go back to that verse. Would you, would you go back? We're certainly saved through the life of His Son. What are we saved from? Anybody? Hell. Oh, yes. Death. Some translations say the second death. Eternal separation from God? How about saved from yourself during life? There's a way, man, you can get around sin and get get away from it, have it washed clean, and man, you have a clean slate with God. You are saved from yourself and from this world and saved from hell. Wow. We'll certainly be saved through the life of His Son. Let's go on to the next verse. So now, and I'm going to wrap it up with this tonight. I need to come up with a different phrase. I always say wrap it up, but I like that. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful, oh, this is good news. Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. Someone say with God. Uh huh. Because our, he is your Lord Jesus as much as he is mine. Remember, God is a personal God. Scripture throughout Old and New Testament said the Lord's your God. The Lord's your God. He's a personal God. He said, I am the Lord's your God. People refer to each other and say, yes, the Lord's your God. They'd speak to the prophet and say, the Lord's your God. Uh-huh. It can be your God too. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. He's reconciled us. You know, back in the day, some of you, some of you remember, you remember reconciling bank statements? They taught us how to do that in accounting and stuff. Now you can look at your checking account every bit of the day with an app, huh? You reconcile it to the moment. You go, man, that hadn't cleared yet. I better call them. I just did that, and it's not going through. You know like this. You're like, I need that to go through because I need it out of my account, and I'm going to spend on something else. It's, it's instantaneous. We used to have to wait for that. Bank statements. I remember Dad sitting at the table with bank statements, reconciling his bank statements to the checkbook. This is powerful because reconciling means to make right with. Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. He's made us right with God. Someone say, I am right with God. Say, no matter how I feel, this is important, say, I'm forgiven. Say, I will practice righteousness and holiness. Say it again. Say, I will practice righteousness and holiness, because I'm a child of God. Say, I will always serve God because of what He's done for me. I believe you. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. Mm. Romans 5.11 
because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. You know what Jesus, Jesus explained friendship, didn't he? He said, no one has greater love than this, than a man or somebody should lay down their life for their friends. A friend is someone you would die for. You know, you've just met someone. I've heard people say this. Oh, yeah, he's my friend. I'm like, you met him last week. I know we use that word, but they're more of an acquaintance. They're becoming a friend. But, man, you just met him. Say, no, I, you know that guy I met last week? I'd die for him. Mm, that's iffy. You might. Some of you in here are pretty noble people. But I love this. Our wonderful new relationship, we're going to rejoice in it with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Uh -huh. We're friends with him. He died for us, and we're going to live for him. Praise God. Someone say, I believe that God is in the process of transforming me, totally changing me, showing me his will, and leading me into the next stage of my life with him. Praise God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes tonight. Is there anyone at the in the house at the sound of my voice that says, Pastor Matt, I've never accepted Jesus. I've never made him the Lord of my life. I know this is a believer's service, but I need to make sure. If there's anyone in the house who says, man, I have never made Jesus the Lord of my life. I don't know where I'd go if I died. I don't know if I'm right with God. You've never accepted Jesus. Please raise your hand. And if there's no one in here, that fits that description. I want you to pray with me for those tuning in to this message. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for my sin. Say, apart from you, say, without you, I'm a sinner. But say, I believe that Jesus came to rescue me from sin and to save me from hell. Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. See, I confess that Jesus is Lord, and I believe He died and rose again for me. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.